Welcome, welcome. Hey, everybody. It's a frame rate. Mm. You got it. I'm Abe Epperson. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm excited to be here, but even more excited to, uh, you know, introduce my partner in crime, my, uh, my, my friend who is a criminal, uh, <laughs> my co-host. raison d'être, your l'esprit d'escalier, sweetness in this house, you got Michael Swaim. Wow. Michael Swaim. Woo! And if you haven't heard or read, we brought a friend along this time. I'm a friend. Like we usually do. Yeah. Uh, announce yourself, friend. I'm friend Adam Ganser. Adam, yeah. you're a director. I've heard that. Friend of small beans. Yeah. You're one of the beans. One of them. We got three big beans it's going on. It's a three-bean salad. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's excellent. And here today, as you read, uh, we are covering the 1994 <laughs> romantic mystery as film. As you read, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> as you, yeah, yeah. Three Colors, Z. Red, which is part of a trilogy. We'll get more into that later. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted quickly before we uh, get the show on the road that this was a pick the flick, as we all have been uh, doing referring a to lot of as, recently yeah. and referring to. Pick the Flick is uh, our tier on Patreon where you can come and, uh, you know, donate and we will do a little bit of a frame rate on a film of your choosing. This one goes mm -hmm, out to mm -hmm. Ashley, who chose this film. Ashley, thank you. Thank you, Ashley C. And thank you. We hope you enjoy this episode. So, yeah, it's, it's right. interesting to note that we say your last initial and not your full name. Uh, because this is a movie about whether it's okay to invade people's privacy or not. <laughs> so we decided whether judges should be allowed to, to do be it. conservative you know? on that front. Secondary. Yeah. I don't know if it's about if it's okay. Then let, I, well, well, then let's get into it. Let's get it on. <laughs> let's read. Let's get a rating going. Uh, All right. Uh, so, although, Abe, yeah. I want to ask because full mm. disclosure, I, I am aware of Three Colors as a... Uh, trilogy, like as a unit of film, and I know it's highly respected and regarded. It's uh, if, in case the listeners don't know, Three Colors. It's a series of a trilogy of French films, and uh, I, as far as I can tell, the colors are based on from left to right the French flag colors. So it goes mm. blue, white, red. So this is actually the third part of a trilogy, and this is the only one I've yeah. seen. But my understanding from Wikipedia is they are not connected concretely like a normal trilogy, right? So that's fine. I didn't miss context. Uh, yeah, they're they are not. They're thematically connected. Mm. There is one. The ending. Nod. The ending connection. The ending of this film yeah. has the people who survive at the end of this film. Mm -hmm are people who are from the other films. Oh, blue and yes. white. Okay. Yeah, yes. and it's it's kind of... Uh, the Three Colors trilogy is specifically about uh, the three principles of the French Revolution, uh, oh. which I believe are freedom, liberty, and uh, fraternity. And this one is fraternity or, like, blood, right? Camaraderie. Um, camaraderie and... Yeah. Uh, your neighbor and it deals a lot with neighbors it's all mm. about a, a little uh, little section of a neighborhood um, by the way yeah. how pretty is French it's just fun to listen to uh, oh, man yeah I loved it the language in this yeah trade yeah. so French French <laughs> acted French made film uh, English uh, subtitle Polish Polish director oh yeah. shit Kieslowski is Polish mm. all right science mm, yeah. me film nerds mm. 
Well, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, you said before we started rolling that, like, this is taught in film school, so. Uh, it is. We both watched it in film school, in fact. Sure. This film, yeah. yeah. And, I, and at UCSD, I watched Blue. Yeah, yeah. I have yet to watch White, which just shows how much, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm a film buff, and then I don't <laughs> go and, like, finish the trilogy on my I, own. It's a very notable be, trilogy in these, film. Yeah. Yeah. White, is less, white is less engaging than Blue or Red. I think that's... It makes sense that you've seen this film, <laughs> or you've seen White. Because uh, like Adam was thing. always... Yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of yeah, your yeah, thing. a little bit. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, do like, I do like the high art films from time to time. I do well, like them. What was the general read from your class when it was shown in film school? I'm so glad you asked that. What was uh, their analysis it, as a collective? It was really just sort of trying to make us not all do blockbuster films. Like it was like a pitch mm -hmm. in the first semester from like an indie filmmaker who was teaching like a general intro to film school class. Just mm -hmm. like, you know, cinema can also be this. And then we watched, <laughs> I'm serious. And then we watched this movie and it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the rest of us were like, but transform though I you would know. give it that though like yeah. uh, it's very <laughs> on its surface uh, I found it very engaging and entertaining even though it's just people talking about human stuff but you know of yeah. course I do that's a valid genre of storytelling right. I didn't need that pitch to me but uh, but it's good I really enjoyed it just as a I, overview yeah, yeah as a it's, movie. it's really good I actually thought because I'd seen it uh, before I thought I was going to be like, ah, it's going to be tough because it's like subtitles are on and I want to do mm -hmm. other things and I've seen it, but it, I actually was captivated. Like I actually sat down and realized that, uh, like an hour and 20 minutes had passed mm -hmm. through the film and I had not looked away. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. If that's your cup of tea, obviously some people are here for the blockbusters. This has really interesting characters and, uh, interesting interactions that you just go like, that's not like crazy but like it's very fun it also mm -hmm. uh, it bears a lot of rewatches i like i've watched yeah, this like, i think three times now and mm -hmm. i i still enjoy it even on the third time and i can see why uh ashley suggested this to us or why they thought it might be up our alley and i think it's true is that uh it it's subtly because it, it, the director shows a lot of control and I think elegance with the simplicity of the shots. You could watch this and very easily miss every single symbol. Like the symbols yeah, are not yeah. beating yeah, you yeah. over the head. But if you are like us and you like to look for symbols and shit, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, oh, they're everywhere. It's lousy with like visual metaphors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's partly because the premise of it is so unassuming. Like the conflict is pretty small. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's no Transformers in it, as I keep mentioning. But, like, there's mm. not even, like, a like a uh, heightened premise, really. The judge transforms by the end of his oh, arc, I would say. Touche, touche. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, that's but, really good. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a fan of that joke. <laughs> uh, but more to that... The point uh, is, there's to, more than meets the eye with this film, uh, you know? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, it's a treatise we, in disguise. Sorry, I'm done. Can, can we get something? Uh, spe speaking of like the subdued kind of plot lines of this uh, film, uh, Adam. Typically, we on frame rate ask the guest yeah. to give like a quip synopsis. Yeah, it can be anything from a logline to a paragraph of like what happens in this Great. film. 
Uh, okay, so broadly speaking, this film begins with a phone call from a mysterious person named Michelle, who is a overseas lover that we never meet in the film, calling the our protagonist, who is a model slash university student. Uh, slash dancer. Slash dancer, yes. just Valentine. Valentine, yeah. yeah. Just a general lady about town. Uh, she <laughs> she is basically living uh, a, a fairly contented life. And on after one of her photo shoots, she accidentally hits a dog with her car. She takes the dog to its owner, which she tracks down uh, from the collar or whatever. And it turns out to be this judge who is he comes off like sort of a nihilist like he's uh quit on life and very mm. morose and she uh is upset by that and so she finds herself sort of needing to find out more about him so she ends up returning mm-hmm. to the house in the guise of taking care of the dog <coughs> and finds out the dog have, has puppies and she encounters by sneaking into his house which is kind of a weird thing about this movie she sneaks into his house and discovers that he has bugged or is listening in on the the phone conversations of all of his neighbors, and mm. he does it in a kind of uh, in a kind of indifferent way. Like he's inter- laissez faire. Yeah, he do- he he <laughs> is interested in the drama of it, but he doesn't. But he's not. It's not his TMZ. It's more. Uh, he's more of a benign right. sort of like. Isn't humanity interesting? And you, you get know? the impression he's trying to like gather information to decide if he thinks humanity is inherently good or bad. Right. It's like he's still right. trying to judge in his retirement. Very much. So. And he specifically says that he's not going to do anything with this information. Yeah. In fact, he thinks that it's better not to act. Yeah. But he just finds it fascinating. He very much fits what I would call a kind of French cinema stereotype of man tortured by like a philosophical problem Mm -hmm. like not a circumstance problem or like emotional he just like is Mm -hmm. tortured by is man worth saving am I a good man is anyone a good person Uh, she is initially disgusted by this though not disgusted enough to reject him outright she kind of hears him out she kind of finds his point of view intriguing she leaves uh then I'm trying to remember exactly what happens next. He ends up turning himself in for this crime, and she reads about mm-hmm. it in the newspaper, uh, and she's like very surprised by that. So she goes to the courthouse, sees that he's there, uh, and we then follow her back to the house to tell him, like, hey, I didn't turn you in. And he's like, no, I turned myself in. And they that's sort of the beginning of what I would call a friendship where they start to sort of explore each other's life in this platonically loving way. Like it's and they honest, there's a lot of scenes where they just sit and yeah. argue philosophy. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's very, if it was an American movie, you would think this is a romance. It's not a romance. It's just like a very tender, deep friendship that it's sort of mm-hmm. like, they both learn about each other's stories. He has a dream about her, which we don't get all the information about. And she's intrigued by that. She invites him to one of her shows um, so just skipping backwards, there's one other thread to this I haven't explained. And that is that we're all the while we're watching another young gentleman who is having a love, like a, like a love story with a woman who then eventually breaks up with him because of this judge's interference. Like she meets another person because of the judge's phone calls 
but I August. Yeah. Yes, but it's important. It's uh, it's coincidence. Like yes. you said, the judge did not intercede in their story. He turned himself in. That woman happened to come to the court to like testify against him, or we presume be some part of the case because it's like the whole neighborhood versus this guy, the court case. Yeah, and it's a civil dispute. Right. It's like yeah. stop, f- stop doing Correct. that. And at you know, court, she met another guy she likes better and went with him. So we have the seemingly unrelated character. <laughs> Who's just mm. getting his heart broken, basically? And for a little mm. while, for a little while, we think that that is Michelle. Like I think or we're supposed to be misled. There's a up few top. thoughts I had yeah. up top, or I was wondering, is he fated to be with her by the end? Is that because it's not going to be the old dude? That's clearly platonic. Maybe right. this is her. You were wondering why are we looking at this guy? Why? It's, who is this guy? Yeah, <laughs> and it, and it like literally like this movie. I would argue really only coalesces into like a movie level irony at the end. Like it's like the whole time it's like, it's, it's, it's still a movie obviously, but like the heightened sense that we expect from a movie of that kind of irony all kind of coalesces at the end. And the whole way we're just sort of watching these threads and like having an enjoyable experience of this judge and his growth and this but it would almost just growth. be like a really well-made lifetime movie yeah. without the end. You're yeah. right. The end recontextualizes yes. everything you've seen in a way that elevates it to, oh, this is an important film. This wouldn't be on Lifetime. But the texture of it is just like people feeling emotions and talking. And yeah. like sort of wistfully examining how the, what what meaning there is in their lives and like sort of what you know, what we can learn from our moral dilemmas and the choices we mm-hmm. made and, and that kind of stuff. Stuff which I think is and great. It's pretty complex. Yeah. Like that's that's what I think if if you're looking if it if you're pushed away by the idea of like, oh, some scenes are just philosophical talking and you're like, yeah, it doesn't sound like I would still give it a watch if you can get a hold of it at some point in your life, just because the amount of complexity with the characters is what is like what really makes it because like for example she is brought to when she sees that he's eavesdropping right on people like she's disgusted but she comes back to and it like all feels relevant to like the personal charm of Valentine. yeah there's a kind of there's a kind of undercurrent of voyeurism the whole time in this movie and it and because it was made long before our internet camera soaked society uh, it feels very ahead of its time in some ways. Like everyone kind of, but also like very much of its time because of the technology. You know what I mean? It's like right, so he's listening to people's conversations with like a police scanner, and like a the, the old timey. Yeah. Right, like he's just tuning a radio receiver to try and intercept people's landline phone calls. So, which yeah. like the kind of thing that like honestly, I don't even think people would get that up in arms about now. They might, but like, I, certainly not to the degree that this movie posits they do. To remake this in 2020, that would be a terrible thing to do. But if they did, yes. The, be the method by which he invaded people's privacy would have to be more invasive because our standards are lower yeah. as far as He'd our privacy He'd have to be Facebook. <laughs> right, yeah, right, or, yeah, or Adam's right. He'd have to be like hacking people's webcams and watching right. everyone through their webcams right. all the time. Because, I mean, we think the same thing about why he wants to hear it uh, that we would think of a person who's installing cameras, which is like, oh, you perv, right? And the first phone call that we get that he's yes. listening in on is listening to an affair, right? And mm-hmm. so she actually threatens to expose him, and then she goes over to the house of the man who's having an affair with, I believe, another man. Isn't that correct? 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, she doesn't know at the time. She just see, sees it as two lovers right. talking. So she goes over to the house and discovers, oh my god, this man has a wife and a child. The child is also mm-hmm. listening to the call, and she can't bring yeah, that's herself. To- the worst detail is she goes in the house and she sees the daughter. <sighs> Doing that thing you used to be able to do on landlines, which is spy on a phone call right. by just holding another phone in the house to your ear. Right. Yeah. And the kid is just smiles and waves. And you can tell that the mom doesn't know what's going on. But the kid is hearing her dad betray the family like in yeah. real time. And she is overwhelmed by how not telling them hurts their situation. They're already in a bad situation. That's going to cause a lot of pain and break hearts and her interceding would not lead to any better outcome, which it would also cause a bunch of problems. And the judge, it's basically an object philosophy lesson for her. Cause she comes back and then the judge says that like yes, explains, you see uh, humans, or at least his stance at this point is like, the stories are beyond our ability to reverse or save. Like, and in fact, a repeated refrain that he lobs at her that I think has merit but is not the full story mm. is, uh, why did you, uh, you know, the classic example is you hit my dog, why did you get out of your car and save it? And she goes, because of the empathy I had for how much pain and fear the dog is feeling. And he goes, no, it's to avoid the feelings of guilt that you would have found unpleasant and uncomfortable to go through Mm -hmm. if you didn't do it, because it would be reflecting back to you that you're a bad person who doesn't care about dogs or whatever. Right. And both are true, of course. It's interesting that either, that they both act like it can only be one or the other, but uh, it's the same thing on a bigger scale, right? He's like, why did you feel the need to tell them? Well, because it's wrong. Well, then why didn't you do it? Well, because right. it wouldn't have really helped anything. And he's like, see, ha ha. I mean, he's. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Uh, no, I just want to say one thing about this, like, so that people don't get the wrong idea. It's not. When I say philosophical, I just mean that people talk about the underlying morality of it. It's still grounded very much in, like, narrative stories like a people's like oh yeah it's not coffee it, and cigarettes it's not co- exactly yeah. it's not that yeah. it's not a Godard film it's not no each scene concrete stuff happens yeah. like oh that broke now they're gonna have to go over here like it's also doing mm-hmm. story yes absolutely yeah. It, it's yeah and I think that's one of the reason why reasons why it endures uh, to finish my synopsis of it one of the things that the guy has like sort of a genuine interest in this retired judge is knowing the weather like he's just like throughout the film several times he calls and like what's the weather going to be in the english channel and the last time he calls he it's like it's going to be perfectly sunny it's going to be so beautiful it's going to be so beautiful in fact that the person who does the weather is like taking a holiday (laughs) like that's how beautiful Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be so okay great So in the meantime, I thought that was supposed to be Karen. The person who does the weather is explicitly the person, the girl who betrayed the rando yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, that. In fact, and Karen that. are an item, oh. and the, yeah, that one. Ma- that's what makes it feel destined. Is like that's so good. He, she is the she the the girl who left the random guy that we see uh, is about to leave on a yacht to cross the English Channel, and. He follows her by getting on the ferry. At the same time, Valentine is getting on the ferry to go see Michelle, her off-screen lover who we've never seen. And we get the impression the judge is calling to make sure the weather's okay because he wants Valentine to be okay. He cares for her at this yes. point. Yes. Uh, mm. And uh, you go ahead, Adam. Yeah, then yeah. what happens? So then, <laughs> then like, it, almost like a student film. 
like there just is a, a storm and the ferry sinks and mm-hmm. like everybody on the boat dies uh, except for like seven people, five of which are the main leads in all three of the films. So like Julia Pinocha's character mm-hmm. from Blue survives. Uh, the <clears throat> One of the models and one of the shop owners from White survives. And then both Michelle and Valentine survive. Uh, not Michelle. August. Oh, August. not Michelle. Sorry, August. Yeah. August. Who survives. is the guy we keep calling random guy, yeah, yeah, but for yeah. sake of clarity, the guy whose heart gets broken is called August. And who is also training to be a judge. So yeah, that's there's right. parallels I, there, I too. I thought for, like, there was a minute where I thought, is this, like, is somehow this guy back in time? But I, like, you know what I mean? But that, that didn't. Okay. Oh, there is a moment when after her, so, like, right before she leaves and she tells Kern, who, Joseph, the guy who's yeah. the eavesdropper, uh, old judge, uh, he, before the scene where the, the actual crash happens, uh, there's a se- there's a whole section where they, like, kind of have their final meet. And that whole section, I was like, this is almost like, I can totally believe or I remember feeling like, is this gone? Is this like through time? Did they do something that I didn't pick right. up? And it's like, like, because there's scenes where you see, uh, you see Valentine, like when she's testing out the headphones, she's actually like checking out cause she heard from Kern that this uh, August and or Karen is dating a new guy and she wants to see the infidelity. Mm-hmm. So she goes there out of like you know uh just curiosity just to watch like you can see how joseph kern is like affecting her um at that point that's like the only scene where you really get well other otherwise it's rear window or it's painting from bit, one yeah. window to another yeah, yeah. window and it, if you really if you just get over the idea of like in this continuous shot it's possible to think that we're going through time i thought for like the briefest of time that like oh he is Joseph is August. I think that's absolutely uh, the correct interpretation. I have a bunch of evidence to back that up. I firmly I'm so believe by that. and that's the first thing I wanted to bring up. I think the movie is about time travel. I think August is young Kern. I very much think so. I think it's symbolic. I don't think symbol I think he literally is. Uh, because right. and here's my point, or, or here's the theory, yep. and I'm happy this is no, what no, we touched on because it's, it's my main takeaway. Or that's yeah. what I, that's uh-huh. how I interpreted the twist at the end that made me go, oh, that really elevates this. Um, do you guys remember, uh, or are you, uh, let's see, where do I want to hook into this? I was, okay, it's a little dark, but do you remember that poem I wrote about my mom's sexual assault? Did you, either of you yes. ever read that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I did. That is yeah. Uh, what I liked about it or why it, <laughs> when it came to me, I was like, wow, what a good function for a poem, uh, is it's about the idea of healing trauma to such a degree that we only exist in the present, right? So I, the poem's based around the idea of like, uh, I wish my mom hadn't suffered a sexual assault in her youth, right? And now I am alive and exist and she and I have a great relationship and she has said that, you know, having kids and blah, 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 like the love and blah, blah, blah has like healed a lot of those wounds. And so I wrote this poem about like sending energy or sending your efforts back in time. And why can't we just 
why can't we assume the past is it's it's abstract and it's highly weird yeah. but yeah. why can't love reach back in time and change the past we only exist in the present who's to say that didn't get undone or like it's kind of what interstellar yeah. is and about. uh there's uh you know there's a um a discipline called reiki which is like an energy healing thing and at high levels they believe they can mm -hmm. send energy through time and like heal trauma in the past um i was just using it as a poetic device i don't believe it's literally true but I think this movie is sort of centered around the same poetic device because every time they are going to transition from one story to the other, like you said, it's always these interesting, like the camera flies across the courtyard into the guy's window. Uh, the other evidence I found is that he, uh, okay. So the important points that made me come to this conclusion are, August drops a law book in the street and it opens up to a random page and he happens to read the thing on that page as he picks it up. Then later at the courthouse, when he achieves his dream of becoming a judge, he tells Karen, uh, you know what? The craziest the thing happened. Yeah, she gives him a pen. That I'm sure that's a symbol too, but the one I'm fixating on is uh, he says, you know why I passed? The exam question they asked me by chance was the exact one my book fell open to that day. What are the odds? Right. Um, then when uh, uh, Kern tells Valentine about his tragic past or what made him lose faith in life or stop wanting to live, it's the story of, he says, once I was in love with a woman, she supported me through my legal efforts, I became a judge, and he even says, you know, it's funny, I became a judge because the question they asked, I happened to see in a law book I dropped that fell open. Right, uh, which definitely happens. It's literally, literally what happened, yeah. The only thing that's different is their names. Yeah. And then he says, and she left me and went across the English Channel on a yacht with a dude and it capsized and she died in an accident and I've been nihilistic ever since. Uh, and then he tells a story about what shook his faith in being a judge, which is the guy that stole his girlfriend lived and came back and ended up being judged by him for a crime and he said, and I, no matter what way it was going to go, I, of course, said guilty and punished him. And that's what sort of shook my faith in like, is judging even who am I to judge, which is his state he lives in now. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. so my argument, he also says, I dreamed about you when you were 50 and you were happy. Um, he also tells her it was simple to guess when he's able to like preternaturally guess what she's thinking or the fact that her brother has a heroin problem when he tells her she calls him out and says you you can't be this simple you must have had a lost love and he admits he did and he says how did you know that and she said it was pretty easy to guess so in my mind that ties him to he is a book. He's a book of laws, philosophical laws that fell open in front of her mm. and revealed the answer plainly. And yeah. Yeah. he is taking his one regret in life and have, has a new opportunity by meeting Valentine to reach back in time and make his younger self because he's old, he could never truly be with Valentine, make his younger self be in the crash and survive because the final shot we see yeah. is a freeze frame of Valentine and August surviving together, like huddled together in blankets. They are strangers now, but I presume mm -hmm. they will fall in love and have a beautiful relationship that is undoing the terrible relationship that Kern had in the past. Did you guys notice that the, uh, the, 
the last frame of the thing mm-hmm. is the image. Oh yeah, that is that the photograph. So that, yeah, I love that. It's so good because like they do the thing where they're like, all right, put put a sh- like your sweatshirt when they're taking her photo, uh, and they they make her hair wet and they right. blow some air yeah. at her, and so when she's doing her photo shoot, and then that red background is just like a, a, a life yeah. raft. Yes. You know, it's like oh, it's perfect, and but it's hilarious because. The the ad is to sell yeah, bubble like that. Who what which people, who's is buying, called Hollywood? Who's buying gum from this scared <laughs> yeah, wet lady? Yeah. Like, I don't know about scared that. Scared wet lady gum. <laughs> uh, uh, I think you're. I think there's something there. I think that uh, I, I want Adam to speak, but I did want to add some uh, like a one little tarnish. Well, okay. To your Before you theory, do, can I add the which third is, major piece of evidence? Um, sure, sure, yeah. I although think you're I admit right. it, it, okay. is, it has to be interpreted allegorically because, for example, she sees his Jeep with the... Valentine in real time sees August's yeah. Jeep with the lights on and says his battery exactly. is going to die, which implies they exist temporarily at the same moment, which undermines right. this. But I would also say it strengthens it because very pointedly, the script is written very carefully, clearly. And uh, she says his battery is going to die, but that never becomes a plot point. So why is that scene there? I would argue to give you a clue that August and Kern are the same person because later Kern says, uh, I I couldn't go on anymore. My battery was dead. He's saying, I'm that guy. We're the same guy. (laughs) He's me from the past. Right. Uh, There's definitely a lot of that happening. And the last like major recurring piece of evidence I want to bring up, and then I know I'm dominating, so I'll shut up for a long time because I really want to hear you guys assail this, uh, is the use of glass because glass implies Mm. separation. Uh, the film is about how ultimately we're alone or like our desire to connect, but we are in our own bodies or trapped or we can't connect because Mm -hmm. time, we would be perfect together, but time separates us just by chance. Uh, You know, if I'm a hundred years older than you, we'll never get to meet. You died before I died before you're born. And that's how it is. Uh, And of course, windows also imply voyeurism. And the two things I'll bring up or three things is he Uh, when he finally admits to the neighborhood that he's been eavesdropping, the main method of them getting back at him is throwing rocks through his window and breaking the glass. So implying a loss of separation, he has walled himself off and been an observer who's separate. And now he's taken that step of allowing his glass to be broken. He's not separate. He's back in Mm -hmm. the mix. Mm -hmm. He's a human again. Mm -hmm. And very similarly, the only time he and Valentine, uh, or, I'm sorry, that's not true because he grabs her hand in one other scene. But I think it's important the scene where they say goodbye is they touch hands through a car window. So they're not really touching because they're not mm-hmm. in the same timeline, is my argument. Last but not least, the last shot we see of Kern, which is right before the last shot, is mm-hmm. literally just him staring right down the pipe, straight at camera, spiking lens through his own broken window. And I have to imagine that that shot is just saying the end of his arc is he is he is no longer separated. He's looking. He's so connected to humanity that he's looking at he's, you, the viewer. He's broken yeah, the yeah. glass. Yeah, that's what. That's all I got. The transparent, invisible mm-hmm. barrier that uh, is in front of all people. Yeah, relative uh, to yeah. each other. This movie's um, an interesting yeah. Rorschach test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it, it brings yeah, out that's different it. points of view. Uh, bec- because it's so th- yeah. It, well, I, it's it it 
very similar to the the movie The Lighthouse, which I was just talking about with Dave. Mm-hmm. It sort of resists a explicit A to B summary. Because you can shoot but, down any interpretation right. because it's yes. not, yeah. <laughs> yes. See, I think you could make a pretty good case that the judge is God. Ah, uh, that was like, my next one. Yeah, you go. Right? I, I think you can make, well, I mean, I, I don't want to like do the whole thing with it, but like generally speaking, the fact that he's a retired judge whose own hypocrisy makes him feel like he no longer deserves to be judge and then, but he can't help but spend the rest of his life sort of exam like listening to examining and at some points interfering with the machine that he's running mm-hmm. you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's also the same kind of uh the last conversation that he has with uh valentine at the empty theater is the one where a lot of that motif really starts to come out yeah, because he's of the very way godlike that she, in that scene yeah, yeah. And, and he says things that are clearly meant to take on slightly more meaning than a person would take on. Mm-hmm. And she asks him for things. I, I wish I'd written it down. She asks him a few things. Oh, she sa- more... he says, like, I had a dream you were happy. And she says, so that's going to happen. Yes. Yeah, so and what's happen. interesting right. is he goes, yeah. She's, yeah. <laughs> or right. like, he's confident yeah. <laughs> in his own godliness. Yeah. 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 And she is confident in his mm-hmm. sight. It's it's very bizarre. People are so very sharp in this very movie. Very much so. Uh, there's, I, I love the the opening interaction between them two are, is the following. Valentin goes, excuse me, the door was open. I'm sorry. I think I ran over your dog, Rita, a journeyman shepherd. The judge, displaying his like lack of interest... It's possible she disappeared. She disappeared yesterday, Valentine. She's in my car alive. I don't know what to do. After getting no response from the judge, she continues, "Would you like me to take her to to a vet?" And then he re- displays even less interest, as you wish. And then she retorts, "If I ran over your daughter, would you react the same way?" God, what an and he opening! Says, like, yeah. you just met. Yeah. You ran over this man's dog. I know he's showing no interest, but he could be in shock. There's but so like, his, but she immediately does what he's being a real dick, though. I have, he's being a real dick. Yeah, he is. I like his response. I don't have a daughter, and and then also right. I, I really either. like the interchange from that same sequence, but a little earlier. Uh, when she says, well, what do you, but what do you want me to do or something like that? And he goes, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. And she Why says, don't stop breathing? Yeah. then you should stop breathing. And he says, right. good idea. Good idea. And- <laughs> good idea. <laughs> but he can't. Yeah. That's another that, God that's theory That's the point. opening lines. That's yeah. another God theory He's, point. He can't stop breathing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. He's immortal. Um, there's something that uh, kind of adds, to me, it kind of takes it home. It's kind of supports what you're saying, Michael, but also uh, kind of takes away from the theory and brings it back to earth to this is just wildly like crazy circumstance mm-hmm. that these, but it's just all these stuff aspects that happens, are identical. That argument. It's just all stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, which is that uh, when he is when they're when they're talking i think it's the um when they're hearing the affair between karen and the and the new dude uh he they are talking about what they want to go do if they're going to go bowling or if they're going to do something else uh and they flip a coin Mm -hmm. and while they're flipping a coin on the phone call the judge flips a coin as well and they get two divergent reads. Like someone gets heads, someone gets tails. 
And I think that that is kind of what's happening. It's like a redo. It's what's happening is it's the thought experiment of an old man wishing that he could re-experience the way in which his life went Mm -hmm. with regret. Hoping that circumstance, not not like things he did, but just if something slightly different happened, how would my life be? And he gives that adage about the sailor, the sailor who turns out to be Mm him um, when he's talking about the first man I judged, which is kind of clever because he's not talking about, uh, you know, the legally he's not he's not talking about being in the courtroom and judging. He's just talking about judging himself where he's talking about how uh, the first the first case that he passed judgment on that he remembers it when she's straight up asks him, um, is there anything like is there true? Uh, is there altruism? And uh, his response is he tells a story about this sailor who did a crime and then went away for a while, came back and then got imprisoned which is, I think, metaphorically mm-hmm. him. But ultimately, he benefited. He had children. He had, like, a wife. He had uh, grandchildren. And they all loved him, and he was happy. And it seemed that the whole affair, even though he would, he was a criminal. Well, uh, but the, and the he, judge acquitted him also is the point of the story. Is he's like, yeah, the judge I knew he was him. guilty, but I acquitted yeah. him. And you could argue that if I had jailed him, you know, as we know, Mm. he would have been traumatized by that experience and maybe learned how to be a better criminal in jail. Like his life would have ended up worse. So he said, or vice versa. Or he said, should I have acquitted everyone? Would that have made the world better on the law in the long run? What do you do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the larger point is that, uh, like the, and he says it, he says it to her straight up at one point, his big change is that he goes from that nihilistic guy who's going to do nothing to his standpoint, like what it stances at the end, which is that you just have to be. And I think what he means by that is that he's talking about how, yes, I've been what I've been misled because I thought that there was an answer to truth and like there's something's true or something's not true. There's always truth. Uh, and I should be able to get all the details in order to find it out. But the reality is that later in life, depending on what mm. happens, there's a caustic nature to na- everything. So if I do something and it causes me to do another action and cause someone to do the, like the butterfly effect, someone to do something else and it and the net gain for humanity is good. Who am I to say at the end or vice versa? It makes it worse. And it was originally a good decision. Uh, time peppers the kind of infer the way in which we look back at uh, choices and whether those choices were a good choice or a bad choice. He was kind of drawn to he, he had become nihilistic and just decided to tap out of that question. Now he's encouraging Valentine to do the opposite. Just go make the choice because we can never truly right. know what's going to happen. Make the best choice that follow your heart, you know? And that's not that like that doesn't seem that wise, but it's a great way to back someone who's like I don't see the purpose in this. Like mm-hmm. he like backed himself out of that problem yeah. in the same way that he, is- he turned himself in even though no one was like you're eavesdropping no one knew he was just like no i'm gonna he exposed himself which is an action yeah and we see in act three that he does things like yeah i'll come to your show i hope when you're back we can like meet for coffee it's as if god Mm -hmm. 
detached from his creation because he couldn't figure out how to do anything without fucking something else up. And then he finally got over it and decided, well, you're going to break some eggs, but I'm going to get back in there. You got to get back in there. You got to be. Yeah. I love that shot where he's getting in his car and it shows... Oh yeah, no one has like automatic, uh, do- uh, automatic uh, garage doors mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like he has to get out. He has a cane. Uh, he has to open it up and close it and get in his car. It's just such a simple like. Why am I watching this? Is stupid. But then if you're following, it's like, oh man, he's going outside for the first time in like, like it's perhaps super years. unnihilistic to do all the things it requires to go see a friend's show. Trust me, I love a lot of performers and I've skipped a lot of their shows because I don't want to find parking so it's a big deal that this old curmudgeon <laughs> yeah will take his yeah. cane out and open the thing and drive himself it's just kind of a beautiful yeah. shot oh, lo- yeah uh, the garage door opening one yeah uh, I also think yeah, I love that shot I also think uh, supporting the God interpretation and personally I think him being God and it potentially being a time loop are both intentionally present I think you're yeah. meant to read both or either uh and uh, but more like god imagery that i got that i thought was really great is if he's god and he called the weather lady and she said it's going to be good and he's god in that moment and said no it's going to be a storm you know like if we decide he's god and he made that happen then i think it's very notable that Rita has seven puppies and God chose to spare seven people from the wreck. Uh, I also think it's very notable that it's just, it looks like just organic blocking, but very scrupulously whenever she's there to talk philosophy with this dude, just like dancers do. I've noticed dancers do do this. She doesn't take a chair. She like just sits on the floor, like elegantly because dancers are flexible or whatever, comfortable sitting on their knees. And you're like, Oh, that's just a thing. But it is literally the image of someone like learning at the feet of God. And the only Mm. time she's notably above him is he comes to see her runway show. And then he comes down to the front of the stage, which puts her naturally towering over him. So it's like a moment where she has approached godliness because she's starting to open herself up to the truths of the universe. And yet... He reaches up, she takes her his hand, and he pulls her down to his level while they continue to talk. So it's I do think right. that supports the God allegory of like, I teach you, I teach you, you become more divine by learning from God, and then somehow in the end we reach like an equanimity. But she can't be above God. I think that's why he pulls her down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that scene is about uh, her saying mm-hmm. goodbye. It's her taking an action, being proactive in her life that she's kind of unhappy. And with. she's going to see Michelle, right? Which is interesting because something yeah. we haven't said explicitly is Michelle's main function is to be a fucking prick. <laughs> Yeah, he's overbearing and possessive. He constantly uh, thinks she's cheating think on him, that which that's... she clearly is not. I thought. Yeah, it was unclear to me as well uh, why she's going there. I thought it had maybe something to do with her brother who does heroin. She was going to stop along the way to visit her family on a cover story is that she's meeting Michelle because Michelle's working in England and she's going to stop on the way to see her brother. So again, there's that dual interpretation. It's never revealed which does she care more about or what is the thing that pushed her over the edge to say, I'm going to go on the boat. It's it's multiple. Uh, yeah. We don't I, know. 
<clears throat> it was it was convenient trip, but I think it's supposed to be because also there's something to be said about like she's gonna go there for work as well. It's like she's just taking care of business. She's going to England because it's just like that makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. Because I got to tell my brother to get my brother off heroin. That's something I want to do. I got to tell off my possessive boyfriend to stop doing this bullshit. And I, you know, and she happens to probably, I mean, the implication is that uh, August and her fall in love. It's as if to say she's just being, she's just doing the thing that makes sense to her. And then love is, and all the things that, and her, the dream that Kern is saying is that's And her taking, path. she's taking. Uh, I think that's all we're supposed to Yeah, she's to open to signs from the universe, right? It's like, I'm thinking about going to England. Uh, my boyfriend's going to be working there. I was going to meet up with him, but he's kind of a dick. So maybe I won't go. Oh, my brother's temporarily in England. Oh, and I got a job in England. I guess the universe is telling me to do yeah, this. Kismet. I think <laughs> yeah, so. There's a kismet to it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That's totally accurate. You know, I, when I was watching this movie, I, I, I thought to myself, like the, it's almost the same theme and in some ways message as, Oh brother, where art thou? You've seen like uh, I know you've seen that movie, but like, have you seen it? Have you seen it? No, brother, no, so, what like, is that? Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, that's brother. another movie where the entire time there are events that are pseudo magical, you know. Ah, yes, and, magical. But yeah. also like the key event, which is the sort of salvific moment for uh, George Clooney's character, uh, Ulysses. What's his name again? It's Ulysses S. Something, but mm-hmm. what's his first name? I forgot. Oh yeah, well, well he's, he's, he's he's the um, paterfamilias. I know that. Yeah, yeah, the paterfamilias. Yeah, he's uh, the paterfamilias. The gals. Uh, wow. Well, yeah. yeah. No, I don't remember his. I name. don't know. Yeah, uh, I can't Everett. remember his. Everett. Everett yeah. McGill. Everett. Everett McGill. Yeah, Everett. Yeah, you, Ulysses Everett McGill. McGill. Uh, All right. But Everett is what he goes by. So, so yeah, he has that. Like it's so good. He has that moment of salvation where he's literally captured by the devil, as described in the movie. And then he's about to be hung mm. and he prays, right? And at that moment, yes. a flood is sent in. Yeah, the, the levee, levee breaks. Yeah. But it's a thing that's been known was going to happen from the beginning of the movie. Like, they're going to damn this thing up right. and they're washing right. everything out. And you know, Well, and, Adam, and, any man will cast about in a time right. of doubt. <laughs> in a time of stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so, but that's like, it's kind of fun to watch uh, the movies and compare the, the different cultural explorations of the same topic. Because the French yes. one, or it's, Polish, whatever, mm. however you want to delineate that, is a lot less concerned with uh, the sort of fun of it. Like, it's not as fun. You know what I mean? Oh, Brother, where art thou? Is like having a good time mm-hmm. with the idea of, is it fate, sure. is it not? Yeah. Uh, like, even though things work out in this sort of magical way. And ultimately, like, red is magic. Oh, there's you know so I mean? much like, it's that magic. is serendipitous that fate yeah. has to be a theme. It's obviously like, a theme, yeah. Right, and it's like, I think the photograph in particular is, is the thing that's like, that's impossible for it to be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that are like, oh, that's just interesting and it correlates. And then there's that moment where the director's like, no, 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 it was meant. Yeah. You know? But for the record, because I looked it up, Ulysses Everett McGill is right. This is yeah. just funny to me. Their character names on IMDb are Ulysses Everett McGill, Delmar O'Donnell, and Pete. <laughs> just Pete. He, he didn't get a oh, full yeah. name. Yeah. Are you an OFT? I just think it's kind of fun as a, if somebody is interested in like doing any kind of cultural comparison, they're mm-hmm. actually not that far apart in terms of time. 
Like, really? Uh, r- Wait, yeah, do you mean runtime? No, no, no. In terms oh, okay. of when they were made, Red oh, was made okay. in like ninety four and nineteen ninety four. So six, six years. Six it's years not difference. a crazy different amount it's, of time. It feels older, but I think it that's probably it's because American films tend to spend more money on getting the sharpest image possible. Yeah, yeah. it's and uh, it's uh, Arturo. And Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is also like really heavily color corrected. For and uh, it was and it broke ground in that field, so yes. it looks very fresh and ahead of its time. And Roger Deakins right. yeah. shot exactly. it. Um, but mm, but mm. and also it's interesting that Rouge. Uh, is one of the first uses of Steadicam in in cinema for that country. Ah, That's according to Wikipedia. Yeah, like, I also know some technocrane. Yeah. I yes like that technocrane shot notice, a like, lot. When the, yeah. Yeah, when it like went really like the cinematography in this needs to be it's pulled great. out a little bit. The the opening sequence is fascinating because it's just power lines. Or I'm sorry, it's yes. phone lines under the English Channel, and so it's like just the shot is just like super sped up and it just follows wires and it's just like, okay, so and this is fact, about connectedness is what definitely. you're supposed to get. Which but is also right. wires are used. It's about connectedness and separation in the same way that glass, glass yes. is about separation, but right. if you break it, it's about connectedness. It's interesting to me that another thing that I think kind of supports the time travel interpretation is whenever we see Valentin and August in the same place, in the same scene, they are very intentionally separated by a composition wire there's like the most notable is they're at a listening station like a cd shop and she's standing there on and so you have all these headphone jacks hanging down and one is just perfectly Mm. hanging exactly parallel like vertically Mm. down to separate he's over on this side of frame she's over on that side of frame and similarly when they Mm. get on the ferry the lines are used to separate them and frame all the time. And I thought that was maybe supportive of the idea that yes, you're looking at the same frame, but he's in a different time mm. than she is. She's on this time. He's on that time. Uh, is w- one of the things they teach you about him in, uh, in all the classes that I've been taught mm-hmm. him uh, so yeah, two, in all two classes, uh, in both classes, one of the th- something they both mention is how per- particular he is, and it's not this film, but in Blue, for example, one of the cooler stories about this guy is that he had to s- he he I don't think he had to stop like shooting or anything like that, but one of the biggest problems was that he had to make sure uh, that a cup of coffee would dissolve yeah. a sugar yeah, 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 cube. Yeah, yeah. In a specific amount of time, down to the second, in order for a shot Mm -hmm. to work. And so he had his production design team make different concoctions of sugar cubes and buy many, many, like, ones that were made at different you know, densities or whatever consumption yeah. at different densities and made up of different stuff in order to find the one that would come out to like 67 seconds mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Uh, and it was like, he wanted it to be real slow and he wanted it to be timed out perfectly. And they had to make a sugar cube just for that shot. That's and awesome. it worked. I, so it's like, and this guy does it on all of his films. You I think it's hard that everything I think it's particular. hard to appreciate the fact that movies didn't used to be this heavily designed like in the like mm-hmm. in 1994 movies were not as strongly color paletted or or designed in the like yeah. to this degree in like it's still pre like Ollie yeah. and Wes and it's, Anderson right it's pre twee yeah. and it's also like pre heavy color correction like 
which is a thing that kind of got ushered in the late 90s. So this is mm-hmm. like ahead of its time in the sense that it creates a it 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 creates a kind of expression of the subtext mm-hmm. through design. Mm-hmm. Which is not often done. I mean, certainly there are movies in the past, like The Graduate or other movies that like have a motif that expresses some of the subtext, mm-hmm. but rarely in mm-hmm. the form of like color and shot design to this degree before this. A question then, and I was I knew we'd get around to this. One of the only things that I thought was very it was pretty and cool. I, I'm not mad at it. But one of the only things that I get no meaning from is uh, visually, it becomes quite apparent, everything's red. Or, you know, the vast majority of the things in the this. film are red, and it's because yeah, yeah. the movie's called Red, and I'm going to yeah. presume that that tracks in blue and, and white as well. Yep. Is blue there any or, meaning? Yeah. Or in blue Is and there red. any meaning to be derived from that? I didn't get anything from it, really. I just thought it was an affectation. I... Uh, I f- I think it's just it's the same thing that Edgar Wright does with his. Or it's like saying, trilogy. does does you know, Wes Anderson he's, have to have? But a, it's a lot I'm more painted. Reason he he does postcard shots. No, it's just his thing he does. Exactly. That's okay. No. I'd push a little. <laughs> I'd push back on that a little bit. I I think that, I think that it serves a kind of emotional function, of like, uh, sort of pushing the undercurrent of passion and, uh. Sort of the subtext of like desire. There's a desire in this movie that's kind of understated. A desire to connect, mm-hmm. and you th- like okay. a desire to know and understand. And it's never stated. It's implied in everything everybody else does. And you think the red uh, is just another implication I of think, that implier of I th- that? Yeah, I think the red is kind of putting it, like making it text somewhere in the mm-hmm. movie. You know sure. what I mean? Like the desire and passion of the movie is textualized there uh i don't think you can say it means that 100 percent, but i think it does that function okay i accept you know, that it deepens the emotions yeah oh i just realized another one mm-hmm. for the time travel that i didn't think of august abandons a dog and then recovers it and so does kern yeah yep um it well, is his dog, it but there's a period dog, where he says to Valentine, I don't want the dog back. It's your dog. And then later she goes, are you sure? And he goes, nah, I'll take the dog back. Yeah, he, yeah. abandoning a dog. I, I think, it, I think it's yeah. very telling like uh, how times have changed. That was one of the most times have changed moments was like watching her pick up that dog. Well, the dog's acting uh, was garbage, but what are you going to get out of a dog? <laughs> I mean, what it are you going to do? Yeah, super yeah, yeah. Not, it's, it's, yeah. It, it looks super not injured time. or unhappy. It looked fine. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. It, 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 was a, it was a happy pup. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're thinking it's to get like it to a slide just, still. Yeah. Just right. It's staying. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is pre the Airbud mm. technology of getting 100 dogs. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, she's lifting most of the Well, and also I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no, nobody's picking up an injured dog that got hit in the streets like this, are they? Like, I, uh, mm, yeah. like, right. And it so. was, the movie didn't seem concerned about, is that even safe or smart? And I feel like, uh, that's just a thing you wouldn't do in a movie now. Now the assumption of the culture would be a little bit more Call like, the vet. Oh, don't, don't. Yeah, call a vet or get somebody. Animal control, what whatever. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. yeah. Don't just pick up the dog. Mm-hmm. You, you need to think Especially it through. Especially when maybe. the dog uh, is like heavier than you because you're yeah. a model. You're like a wispy right. thing. And it's a giant German that, shepherd. Yeah. Can I say, I thought this was like a really cool piece of casting, uh, the, the lead. 
because and I she's, she's fantastic. fantastic. Part I of think. it is, and I say this uh, because this is a true thing about casting. Part of it is just like her face. She has this like very curious, constant expression. Mm-hmm. Like her her resting face is a sort of youthful, like curious, like look, mm-hmm. and that yeah, sounds dumb. Yeah. But like, You're yeah, right that sounds that. dumb. But like, imagine just sub her out and put a young Gina Gershon or somebody like that in that part, and it's a totally different mm-hmm. feeling because she doesn't have the same feeling of being inquisitive, and that really eradicates the questions you have about like, should you be walking into people's houses? Where you're like, yeah, uh, well, no, you, she you know, has like, a good heart. You can see it on her face. She's yeah. uh, young yes. and naive and she's trying yes. her best. Yeah. And of course yes. and he does his due diligence yeah. of establishing that because she's a dancer and a model and you see her routine and you see that she is very game to follow the rules. Like she's, she'll dance however you instruct her to dance she'll do modeling even though it Mm. it hurts very much or you know we see that it her life is very taxing and she works very hard to look right and go through the right motions that are expected of her so she starts out being fully of society and never questioning is justice moral no she would say well if the judge said you're guilty that they must be right they're a judge. How could they become a judge if they don't know how to judge? And I think by the end of the film, she doesn't think about things that simply. She's grown up. Yeah, I, I guess like mm. maybe you see, you're the only person that I have heard come up with a feasible explanation for why she's a dancer in this movie. Mm. Like, I, like I, the model part I understand because it serves a purpose narratively later. Mm-hmm. The dancer part. Mm. Uh, like we go to it a few times and the thing that's interesting about it is that it seems very strenuous like her dancing she yeah, seems like this is hard this is and it is yeah ballet this is the is hardest like part right. of her really hard yeah. Yeah. oh yeah <laughs> I, I, uh, she struggles like it's not right. a fun thing like she downs like a whole thing yeah, of water let me assure you, you know? I would never do mm-hmm. it there's no chance it ever happens mm. to this old bear I don't yeah, think I, don't I, think can I can do either. It. I'm but doing it right but now. But it's not. Oh, <laughs> you pirouetting mm-hmm. friend. Uh, I would just say that it's not. It's it's so interesting to include ballet and never make it look elegant. It's only it looks depicted. like a difficult job because we only ever see yeah. rehearsals. Yeah. Right. Right. So that only it only serves to add a little bit of pain in her life. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the purpose. You know? And it, it's almost to save the cat, save the dog moment of like, I liked her immediately because she is a hard worker and she's trying so hard yeah. to do what she thinks would be good for life. Like she wants to do a good life and be part of the community and do what the community expects from her, and even if it's really hard. And she doesn't even question it at the beginning. And I think that's something about what the dancing scenes are about. And she's like an ethical center because she mm-hmm. thinks the way that we think. Yeah, she's you know, she's neutral uh, and she's not right. Pessimistic. She's neutral and she's not a pessimist. Yeah. And her life her mm-hmm. life doesn't have enough suffering for her to have what you might call a wise or begrudging perspective on it at mm. all you know mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. whereas the mm-hmm. french judge 
well, see, my favorite thing about him is that, like, he never, he doesn't really change would be my argument. I know that you guys are saying, like, oh, he rejoined society. My argument is he doesn't actually. That what he's done is he's sort of unraveled the story of who he is to somebody who's finally willing to listen to him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, because... I understand that he does make the agency choice of getting in the car. He does go to that theater. He does turn himself in. That's true. All that's true. But I don't think it's because she convinced him of anything. I think it's her that gets convinced well, by him of who he is and his character. Yeah, but he actively changes because of her. And you're right, it's personal. But when he's asked specifically, why did you turn yourself in... Uh, his response is because you dis like I saw the disgust on your face. Um, it c is that what he says? I'm trying to remember that. No, line. That, it's not. It's closer to. There's two lines. I thought you're, you, you guys pitied. are thinking of the. No, no, I'm thinking of the one you're thinking of. But he says, uh, 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 "I thought you pitied me." Now and then later, I realized it was disgust. Yeah, he does say that. She, 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 goes, she says, "Why'd you turn yourself in?" Uh, and his answer is. When we, f like, as he's often as he's cryptic, he just says, when we first spoke, I thought you pitied me. Later, I realized it was disgust. And she goes, yes. And that's his answer to, that's why I turned myself in. It's cryptic, but it makes but, sense. But it doesn't mm -hmm. feel, see, it, maybe it's because of how he said it. It didn't feel like the reason to me. It felt like him sort of dancing around mm. answering the question. Like, like a lot of things mm -hmm. that he does. Like he kind of, and again, he does feel to me Maybe it's because I'm interested in the God metaphor here. He does feel to me like a person who's like sort of ably dodging anybody else's culpability by holding himself to his own standard. Yeah. His like, you know, his God standard, if you will. So you can't accuse me because I have done worse because I know what worse is. And then like she comes to agree with him. Yeah, although. And to see his wisdom. I don't know. I thought, I thought the movie was trying to elevate her to a position of divinity just at the end around the show, both because of the height thing I mentioned and because yeah, the height right thing. after they touch hands through the car window, so uh, they're separated by glass, but they touch fleetingly or, you know, whatever that represents. Right. We linger on the scene right. and it can't be for no reason because the director's so meticulous. She goes over to a recycling bin where an old woman is struggling to get yes. a bottle in she touches the old woman's hand and helps her push the bottle through the hole, which results in the sound of breaking glass. So I just think that's giving, that's saying she ascended to the point where she has enough agency to connect with someone, meaning touch a hand and break right. the glass, meaning break mm -hmm. through the wall of separation. That's something he can't even do because he can't break the car window. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I, the, I think it's. Uh, I think I just end up quibbling with you uh, about what to take sure. from that. I I don't think that equality is what we get from it. No, I don't I think do equality, think but I just think it means that she has the ability to force connection into people's lives. Right. She's she's been converted, if you will. She's been like empowered by him. You know what I mean? Like her, the impact he has on her. Interesting. I that. view it as her being self-empowered and him benefiting from witnessing right. it. But that's this is interesting. The, this is the Rorschach yeah. piece. This is, you know what I mean? See, this is fascinating to me because I don't agree with, I agree with philosophically why both you of you. You see the evidence uh, we see. 
see I see the evidence. I do not see what that's what this film is. This film to me is very much so like a like a 3D model or rather like a timeline of um, altruism. And by that I mean everyone's personal kind of uh, how we traverse altruism, how we think about other people and if they're good or bad or uh, when we meet new people, if we think that it's true that they're good or bad or whatever. Um, we kind of change throughout our life, fluctuate based off what's happening to us. It's a very living document. Um, and this is just looking at Valentine, who is in her journey with that. And it's looking at Kern at his journey with that. And it's just pulling out parallels saying, hey, there's they could be the same person. They could be the same person. You know, any you take any pairing of people in the film and they're kind of like a reflection of each other at a different time uh or not you know like it's 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 kind of just trying to show you everything about how people perceive uh their neighbors and the what's the nature of fraternity it asks the bigger question of why do, why are see, we altruistic is altruism that's an interesting real? i just want to ask like one question and like it's a basic one and that is what is the change that happens to her in the movie? Because my pitch for it is that she becomes less contemptuous of her fellow human beings. And I know that's like, well, she wasn't contemptuous before, except for that's what the judge is. The judge is a thing she's disgusted by. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, mm -hmm. she's not disgusted by it anymore, which is why she can engage with her brother's heroin addiction, why she can help an old lady with her bottle at that bizarre recycling mm -hmm. center, and why she's connected to mm -hmm. this guy who is a, at least a civil criminal, uh, if not a, you know, a voyeur and a maniac. You know, like he has that impact on her. Does that scan for you, or do mm -hmm. you think that doesn't make sense? It scans for me, although it feels like uh, if that's the if that's the message, then I just disagree with the filmmaker, or I don't like that interpretation. And that's fine. Someone can say a thing that I don't like, and it's still what they meant to say. But um, because that, like, if if the goal is to lose all your contempt. I think there's such a thing as like boundaries or like that would imply that she, because she's going to England where her brother and work and Michelle are. And if you're saying that she grew enough that she can overlook her brother's flaw of being addicted to heroin and Michelle's flaw of being, that's where I'm like, I don't like that because Michelle's a prick. <laughs> like this is a grounded response, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I don't want it to be that she learned to accept her abusive boyfriend and be like, well, he's human and we're all flawed. And I've grown to realize I can't be disgusted by him just because he's a huge prick. Sure you can. You don't have to like huge pricks or like you can think people are assholes yeah. and distance yourselves from them because they're toxic to you. That's allowed. But I, 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 I don't think that, uh, I, I don't get the sense that the movie is suggesting she's going to tolerate her boyfriend. Mm. I get the sense that like, a reckoning has come either by happenstance or by but she's, virtue of her going Okay, there. so you're not saying she's learned to tolerate all of humanity. No, 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 no. She's put her own contempt for mm -hmm. people who she doesn't connect to or understand or know how to deal with aside. Yeah. Well, I think what's you know? really notable is just that we could go several more hours because it's a movie that 
That's how you know bears watching and repeated watchings. I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's a real Rorschach test, even though everything that happens is very clear. It's not Mulholland Drive. And yet, uh, like many good, densely layered stories, it can be unpacked probably 10 or 12 different ways before you were like grasping at straws. You know, there's a lot of interpretations that are there. Yeah, it's it's like a novel. Yeah, it's dense like that. My my real quick response to that, I guess, is that uh, I think that she thinks he did the right thing in turning himself in. So she's empathetic that he's changed, and that's why she, the friendship moved past just her fascination with what he's doing and with him and like as a project, and the friendship bloomed because she she saw that he had the capacity to change. She is ethically unchanged throughout the film. She doesn't do anything out of sorts ethically. She just determines to move on with her life. So I don't think that what I don't know. It's the way you phrased it, Adam. I don't know necessarily if she has an ethical concern with the arc of the movie. She's just a player and is a, like basically a, a, a very uh, someone who's an artifact of the audience. Someone who's, you know, just essentially an observer a placeholder. She's just an observer. It's interesting because yeah. that's basically what he is. Although he does make it. Yeah, he does actually he does do stuff. Uh, so exactly. I think it's more about the actions, but that's, uh, I think it's, as Michael was saying, it's very important for everyone to kind of come to their own interpretation of it. That's what this type of movie is for. And it's kind of, it excels 99% of movies. I'd be happy to say about it. No, I'm pretty sure this is what it means. You should accept my interpretation. I have evidence Mm -hmm. and shit. Mm -hmm. This one, I'd be like, why would you accept one interpretation? There's God, there's definitely multiple. It's definitely not just one right answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's definitely, it's lighthouse. Whatever works. Or as Adam yeah, said, lighthouse, a baby. Yeah. It's yeah. a lighthouse. <laughs> it's a lighthouse. And that's yeah. a frame rate. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to say? Or can we just go to the uh, Adam uh, pitch yourself? Pitch me. I'll just justify pitch. your oh, existence. Well, I'm pitch excited me. to hear that. But I was just going to say it really helps yeah. us out if you go to iTunes and rate Small Beans. So please rate yes. us. Give us a review. Um, we'll probably start finding some feedback and reviews and, and enshrining them on the podcast so mm-hmm. that people are more incentivized to do that. So go say something about us on iTunes and maybe we'll, you'll hear yourself later. And also for the beanies, the Patreon beans, I just want to announce that as of you listening to this, uh, this bean broadcast this week, uh, there's going to be a big project that we've been working on and keeping on the down low that's going to release. That's going to be a lot of fun he, and it's exclusive. A lot of work for a while went into for you it guys. and we've kept it mostly. So, like on Twitter, once or twice I've hinted about it, but you basically don't know what it is. So we got a big surprise for you that a lot of work went into and it's patron only. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're real excited about we it. We think it's, it's fun. We think it's fun. Uh, <laughs> we think it's fun. Adam, All why right. should uh, you Adam, exist? I don't know why Abe do asked you that, but say, I want to hear the answer. 
Because it's like people pitch themselves, and then I thought, like, okay, if he's pitching himself, why is he pitching himself? What manner of beast is man? Justify your existence? I don't know. I have a My name brain. is Adam Ganser, and I am a whirlwind of passion and darkness and thought. You can participate in it in several ways. You can go to my Instagram called The Real Gans. You can go to my Twitter feed. It's also The Real Fucking Gans. You can listen to my podcasts. They are Director Peace Theater. They are one-upsmanship. I have much to say. You will learn from me. You will hear from me. I have more. There will be more. That's Gans. I have more. God, that's so good. That I'm, was very I'm good. I'm so hyped, dude. Also, it's I'm Gans so with a Z. Hyped. The Real Gans, yep. Yeah. The real one. The uh, real yeah. gains, which is not how you uh, on, tw- but hey. on Twitter, Abe's at Abe's Mighty, it. and I'm at Swame <laughs> underscore Corp. And uh, we'll see you next time on Frame Rate. Yeah? Smooches. Thank Thanks. you, Beans. Bye. 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 Bye.